it bodes well for us thinking about, yes, there is benefit in these types of technologies being in our vehicles. It's going to save lives. Mm. And the, the last year or so on this sort of road to toll, to get the road toll down to, to zero, mm. it's this type of technology, I think, that, that gets us there probably more than any, any one other thing. Mm. Um, but it is a combination of things. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and we have Craig Young with us today. Welcome back, Craig. Good to see you. Kia ora, Paul. Thanks for having us. Maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into this big, wide world of technology in New Zealand. Yeah, so I'm the CEO of the Technology Users Association, or you may know it as Two Hands. It's been around for a long time. Um, And we're basically, we're a user group when it comes to the use of technology by New Zealanders, whether it's New Zealand businesses or individuals. But that's where we focus in. We focus in on the use of the technology rather than necessarily the development of it in New Zealand. Mm. Oh, always, always good to catch up. Looking forward to your opinions. Um, big thank you, of course, to our show partners, to 1NZ, uh, 2 Degree, Spark, HP and Gorilla Technology. Uh, lots lots of ground to cover off today. There's there's a chunk of, of you know, New Zealand-related topics I'm very keen to uh, delve into, some uh, government guidance around um, paying uh, ransoms uh, for cyber mm. incidents, Looking a little bit into uh, into something uh, unusual that One NZ uh, have done, which nobody's reported on, but um, it, it, it caught my attention when I noticed it with the recent rebrand, uh, Starlink, and uh, and its role, its new role in uh, in, in Scott Base, and um, the role of Kiwi engineers in um, in charging electric cars wirelessly. Mm. Uh, so, so, and then, and then, things going on on the uh, on the global uh, global front as well. So, well, let let's jump in uh, to start with on the EV charging uh, front. We've we've been uh, reading about uh, the role of New Zealanders uh, in in this you know wireless charging of electric vehicles. And of course, New Zealand has quite a you know history when it comes to, to wireless charging. Um, you know, power by proxy that uh, you know I guess came out of uh, Auckland University uh, research ended up being acquired uh, by Apple. You know th- that team very much uh, you know contributing to heavily to the development of of, of wireless charging and and to the wireless uh, charging. Uh, standards that that we have today, uh, you know, that are utilised across you know all the different uh, smartphone brands, and and um, I guess that's predominantly where we see wireless charging and the, and the charges and so on with the the Qi charging technology. Um, and we have long heard about um, you know this possibility mm. for electric charging uh, vehicles, but it it sort of yeah caught my attention when. Um, you know, I saw some some media coverage suggesting that we could have wireless charging, uh, you know, vehicles as soon as next year, twenty twenty four. What what are your th- thoughts on this? You've you've been you know, mon- I guess across this for for some time as well. Yeah, yeah, I've been looking at it. I mean, I think the nirvana obviously is that people want to be able to 
travel long distances and to do that you've got to be able to charge electric vehicles so the nirvana is being able to charge on the on the go right so there's you know there's long been talk about um inductive charging within roads we know how long roads take to build in new zealand so (laughs) it's going to be a long time before someone rips something up to put that in but yeah the, the 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 latest discussion and talk is about putting them into car parks um, which obviously, you know, is, is a lot easier and um, and also your car's going to be sitting there. So you just drive in, get out, you're not going to worry about plugs and walk away. I think the big thing is, you know, as fast as we go on the the car on the on the car parks and, and having it in the ground, it's about also the vehicles being able to do it, right? Because I'm I'm not aware, and maybe it's just me at the moment, of any vehicle that could perhaps charge wirelessly just yet. Um, if it was anything, you'd think it would be in a Tesla. Um, you know, I see that, I don't know, as an aside, the government has, um, the clean car rebate has gone on to 80,000 Teslas in the last year or two since it's been launched. So um, that's a lot of cars. It is um, a lot, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of cars. I didn't realise it was that. I'm not sure number. it's 80,000 cars. It's 80,000. Dol- 80. Yeah. Out so of three hundred million, I think eighty thousand. Eighty million, yeah, eighty million out of the out of the, the funds, maybe. Anyway, we, yeah, eighty yeah. million. That's yeah. the, that's the thing. Eighty that million has gone on to pay yep. for testers. Um, yep. But yeah, I think you know that's that's definitely where you want to get to, right? So, as a as a as a user, you want to be able to just pull up, turn your car off, and then when you come back, it's charged. You haven't had to worry about different types of charges, different types of plugs. Um, having the cord with you, whether it's a fast charger or not. I mean, imagine this. You're going to Wellington, you pull up at uh, McDonald's in, in in Topo, you just pull in to the car park and go and have your burger, maybe walk around the foreshore. When you come back, it's all charged. You didn't have to worry about finding a specific park. So it'd be great to be able to do that, wouldn't it? It sounds like a dream a dream Doesn't to me. Um, yeah, look, I you know the, that yeah that difference between putting it in the road, which seems you know that seems like an insurmountable uh, you know challenge if if we were to look in the next sort of five to ten years, right? Because that would be yeah you know just sort of yeah it just it's it seems impossible. Yet of course yeah we take for granted mm. so much technology that a few years ago you know seemed impossible. But to me that would seem like the that yeah. would seem like a very much a uh, a long, a long-term, you know, mechanism to work out to, to charge in in, in the roads. Um, charging in car parks, even then, I would still think that in the yeah, probably in the next in the next sort of five years, if we were to see it, it would likely be dedicated to very specific car parks rather yeah. than rather than all of them. But if if we look further out. When of course electric vehicles will you know will become the norm, then yeah I can imagine you know there would probably be some places uh, that that may you know may make yeah. that choice and say we'll pay for every single car park to do it. Um, um, I, yeah. Interesting on the weekend I um, just curious and in, um, in in Mount Ross School there is. Um, the land that was previously foodstuffs uh, headquarters in the North Island, which um, when when they moved to their their new, um, you know, absolutely humongous uh, new uh, HQ and and warehouse um, that they put that that land on the market. Now um, I haven't actually looked up and found out who who's acquired it, um, but 
I did notice that it was wide open for anybody to trespass on on the on the weekend. Uh, no comments as to ex- exactly where I uh, where I, I stuck my nose, but if they've got some footage, they'll see a Tesla um, ins- inspecting their uh, their car park, and there would have been maybe eighty to a hundred car parks in, yeah. in front of the warehouse being built. There's no branding or anything on it just yet. Twenty of those were marked as EV charging spots. I can't think of anywhere I've been in New Zealand with, with 20 EV parking spots. Now, I'm imagining this is, is largely for fleet because yeah. there was a, a barrier arm uh, right. of, of sorts. And, uh, and, and so I was able to, uh, you know, potentially, um, don't want to admit too much uh, in the way of criminal activities on, on here, <laughs> um, but uh, potentially have a look. And, yeah, they, they hadn't set up the charges, although their warehouse um, – which incidentally, the doors were wide open and there was there was nobody there. Um, I saw what looked like a, a high end EV charger unit, sort of you know what you see yep. somewhere where you go and they've got um, you know maybe a three hundred sort of kilowatt type type level charger. Uh, there was one of those um, sitting inside this you know wide open unpatrolled warehouse. I was I was kind of thinking, well, if they they leave it like this too long, the neighbourhood. Um, Hooligans are maybe <laughs> going to uh, turn up and and uh, and cause some havoc, but yeah, a lot of money is going yeah. into to doing uh, and putting that that sort of infrastructure in right now. A big deal to change it to wireless, and you need, as you were highlighting, like who's going to do it? Tesla, whoever. I think BMW, um, if I recall correctly, have done some testing uh, down this track, but it's it's a big deal, and I imagine you know, quite a few years for us to you know flip from yeah. from one to the other, and then you need some sort of smart communications between these things so that you just pull up and it knows how to bill you or what have you. I don't imagine that the the early trend with EV charging uh, is going to continue where charging is just going to, you know, power is going to be given away for free for for much longer. I think the the place that I've seen the most electric, you know, the charging EV parks is when you visit places like or businesses like Vector, or Ryan Network. So they're the ones that are, you know, because <laughs> yeah, it's their yeah. fleets, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm with you. I think it's going to take – it's one of those ones where it'll take longer than you think, but it'll be here quicker than you think. <laughs> well, these things sneak up on us, don't they? That's they do. That's that's the the, the reality. Uh, now, um, Starlink for, for Scott Base. I thought this was uh, – it was actually sort of interesting timing in a, in a way that we've you know we've just we've just heard about it and you know it's been announced by um, Antarctica um, New Zealand um, on their website. Um, so ten times their um, you know the bandwidth of what they what they had uh, previously. That's a that's a pretty good improvement. You can oh. you can start doing all sorts of you know, new things from your your frozen HQ. It's a huge it's a huge step up, right? If you think of that being the last place on Earth which is the most remote, and and the uh, and the hardy souls that winter over, you know, without seeing the sun, without coming home, it must be it must have been tough. You know, all that all those years ago when they started, where they could only have one phone call a, a week to their family, etc. Um, so to have something like Starlink now, of course. We, we don't know the performance of the service and how it will go through winter with um, storms, et cetera, but, but, mm. but they mm. do have 
obviously a boost from having, you know, what is cutting edge technology for them. So, um, you know, obviously they'll be able to talk to family, they'll be able to do um, upload work. And I think that was one of the things I read around the articles, you know, being able to send back photos to New Zealand to, to, to base, Antarctic base in, in Christchurch. Um, but the one that I thought was the funniest one was um, they'll be able to Netflix and chill, basically, won't they? <laughs> in the, chill. In yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. holding on to that joke for quite a while. But, yeah, yeah so, yeah. you know, there are, it's obviously going to change significantly the work that they do down there too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, it's, uh, a, you know, incredibly life-changing in a situation like that, I would, I would imagine, I mean, just... Uh, a really, really big uh, leap forward for them. So Yeah, uh, but I also yeah. think it shows how quickly we've got into using this service called Starlink. You know, it's only a year or two ago that it was actually launched uh, globally and then New Zealand was fortunate in that we had a constellation of satellites that ran up the country. So it's been around a while in New Zealand, but we were, we were one of the first to be able to access it. So obviously it loops across Antarctica as well. So I just think it's another example of areas that you can go to without being connected are dwindling over time. So um, here's another example. I mean, obviously, in this example, it's a great it's a great step forward for them. Um, but there are other places, I think, where I start to think maybe I don't want to be connected. But for health and safety, it's, not, it's, a, it's a great step forward. And, and again, for Antarctica, health and safety will be another positive for them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, and and then you start to think, well, one NZ and um, you know other telcos will will, will uh, you know well we already know they're they're aiming to um, all really have some sort of satellite based um, mobile connectivity in the future as well. So it makes you wonder about uh, hey, just take your take your mobile yeah. phone to uh, to Scott Base, Antarctica, <laughs> wherever you want in the world, and um, you know, yeah, will you have some sort of uh, uh, coverage and I guess the answer is yes quite possibly you will in the future. Well there'd hardly be anybody surely listening to this that hasn't uh, seen an advert either through a streaming service or um, or live on broadcast TV for SpaceX and One you know coming the, 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 the big news when they relaunched that when they launched the brand was this deal with Starlink you know and it is a big deal it does change coverage in New Zealand. Um, initially, it's late 24. It's, um, it's probably only texting and maybe some early types of voice. You know, we don't know yet because Starlink have only just started to think about launching their second generation of satellites. But it could be quite a game changer, you know, in quite a few spaces, in quite a few places, mm. yeah. Yeah, look, it, it, is, it, is, it's, it is. It's one of those big... Uh, big big changes that's uh, that's coming now. Ransom payments when it when it comes to you know organisations um, having cyber uh, security incidents. So often uh, it is ransomware, and you know, as we saw with the Waikato District Health Board, uh, it has a really really big impact. And one of the one of the things with the Waikato District Health Board incident. You know, looking in from from the outside was that they said, "No, we're not going to pay your ransom." And 
you know, I I totally get that. Um, but it was yeah, it was interesting to see uh, that we've got you know very clear uh, guidance online now, and I'm I'm looking at the um, Department of the Prime Minister and Cabinet uh, website, uh, and they're they're making um, you know it quite clear that uh, government um, agencies should not be paying ransoms and they're they're really encouraging that message you know across uh, across the board um, but if we sort of counter this with with some of the things we're, we're hearing elsewhere and I saw a report and I, I'm not sure of the the source uh, recently that was talking about something around 60 percent I think in the UK, of uh, ransomware mm. incidents is, uh, were ending uh, in a ransom uh, being paid, and so and there are you know there are other figures all over the place that have sort of uh, um, you know have have been shared. Um, it, it's it is such a challenging situation for an organisation that gets hit by this, and you know the flip side of say Waikato District Health Board you know not paying uh, is you know, tr- you know, millions and millions in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the impact and, and costs on the organisation. And, of course, that element of uh, people's confidential health data, mm. um, you know, being being leaked online. So, they're really, you know, there's no, there's no winners, um, you know, in these situations, unfortunately, other than the, other than the criminals. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's... Um, that's that's not a nice thing to to you know have to say, but it's uh, it's 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 the reality. But um, you know, I think this is it's it's fair guidance um, for people to consider. They also highlight around um, you know getting independent legal advice and professional advice and so on. And I do wonder whether you know how far away are we from. So a New Zealand entity that that pays a ransom, um, then getting hit because they've broken sanctions because the money's yes. gone to North Korea um, or to Russia, right? And which is you know it's probably two of the most common uh, places where where the money from these ransom uh, situations is, is is going to. Obviously, it tends to be. Uh, paid in, in cryptocurrency, so it's not a, a normal payment, yeah. but it is it is still a payment. I have a, a gut feeling that um, putting the, aside the the um, sanctions thing, I have a gut feeling that there are likely to be a number of private sector organisations in New Zealand that have paid ransoms to get access to their. I have no no basis on what to do that uh, on or sources, but you know if you are a you are correct. If you're a reasonably sized organisation and you're locked out and you're a private sector, you've got no requirement to to report it um, because it's, if it's not a privacy breach, mm. then 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 you know that perhaps you look at it at a risk level and you go, it's um, cheaper. Mm. Maybe it's not the right mm. word, but mm. you know the risk level is pay the ransom and get access again. Mm. Um, and then I've heard other stories and and um, of organisations that have not paid their ransom. But that's because they've been prepared. So there is a there's a high school in Hutt Valley. Well, if they followed the government's um, guidance anyway, they wouldn't mm. pay. They didn't, but they were very fortunate that they had 
extremely good backups that they could rebuild from over a long weekend. Mm. So it was mm. a lot of work to mm. get the school mm. back up mm. and running. Now, that's not a private sector organisation, but, you know, they were prepared. So I think there's a there's a double message in here. It's all very well for the, you know, the guidance to be don't pay the ransom, but you need to be prepared, right? You need to be you need to have done all that work and, and be ready so if something does happen, you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, and, um, you know, look, the, the backups are, you know, obviously a very, you know, very important part of the, the puzzle, but there's also, you know, all of the steps that can be taken that lower your risk versus another organisation of of getting uh, of getting hit. Um, now they have also um, made it made it clear on their website as well around those sanction uh, mm. situations, and so they refer to the Russia Sanctions Act 2022 um, or the United Nations Act of 1946, which can carry criminal penalties of, get this, up to both seven years in prison and or a fine of $100,000 for individuals and uh, or a fine of up to $1 million for organisations. So, you know, there's, I mean, the, the threat of seven years hanging over your yeah. head... Uh, you'd want to be really, really sure where your funds are going if you're paying uh, a a ransom. And that is easier said than done, especially when these things are moving are moving at uh, you know at pace and you're not maybe in in every I mean in, in most situations, uh, an organization wants to get back up and running very, very quickly. Mm. and uh, of course, not everyone's going to have access to the knowledge of quite where their funds would be would be heading to, um, you know, without some um, some pretty you know um, professional assistance. Yeah. So um, so let's be cautious out there, folks. Let's let's protect ourselves as much as as much as we can Absolutely. can practically do. I mean, just on a personal level, I'm not talking about ransomware, but you know, I don't know about you and and people listening. There's, I've, you know, I've been seeing a serious increase in phishing attacks. I mean, I think I've got had four texts in the last three weeks. You know, trying to go down that track. So it's not just at the large corporate level, is it? It's around the at the individual level. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. and I think yep. it's you know those of us that are a little bit in the know need to be talking to people who in our families and far know that perhaps aren't so quite upskilled. You know, to be very careful about when something comes in. And if it looks real but it doesn't feel real, question mm. it, you know. Mm. Mm. So be careful out there. Yeah, mm. yep. Yeah, I had a discussion with a team member who took a call from um, somebody, you know, last week and um, you know, had passed on a, a link to a, a website and so on. And, um, yeah, I was just, you know, um, inquiring, you know, as to... A little bit of detail about this this phone call. I mean, it's it's something we're probably quite used to doing, taking a call, someone that's trying to sell something to us. We can have a look at their website and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was I was very you know pleased when I got the the feedback of oh you know opened it up in this sort of virtual environment where it was you know all safe and and protected and okay. and so on. Was able to check and it's like yeah well if you're going to do it that's uh, 
you know, that's the way to do it in a, in a sandboxed uh, and safe uh, environment. But, uh, yeah, generally you want to be very, very careful about very careful. about these things. Um, my son this morning showed me a message he'd got around, was it toll road, uh, you know, payments, which, which, which seems to have gone out very, very wide. So this is another reason to talk to those, you know, people in your, you know, broader family that may not be so... Uh, tech savvy and sort of, you know, when they see a message like that, assume it's legitimate from the legitimate party. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we were delving into what some of the risks yeah. were with those sorts of things. And if there's a, a zero day vulnerability at the same time and they happen to be using that type of attack vector, then you could be in a scenario where, you know, clicking that link um, means your device is compromised without even, you know, entering any details or what have you. And we've even heard of, of, um, you know, vulnerabilities in the past where just getting the message on your device, you might not even see the message, um, you know, potentially can compromise a device. So it's a it's a very complicated world yeah. in, which we, in which we operate, isn't it, Craig? Yeah, and I'll, I'll just finish that conversation off with um, a little bit of a heads up. Next week we're releasing our 2023 digital priorities for AATRI. So this is where we interview 20-plus CIOs at the beginning of each year and say what's top of mind for you this coming year. We started it in 2021 every year, and it's no surprise it'll be again. One of the top six priorities that they're looking at this year is security. Mm. Security and privacy, it's top of mind for them. In fact, if it's if if anything was probably more top of mind for them this year that they're seeing this, this happening. So mm. it is not going to go away, not going to go away at all. Now, on to the next topic. Um, I did some wondering when I looked at the 1NZ... Uh, one NZ's new Twitter handle after their after their rebrand, and it reminded me of what happened uh, with Chorus. When Chorus started out, they had a Twitter handle of Chorus Fan, and they made a call. I thought that was a really nice sort of friendly, mm. you know, um, yeah. thing. But they decided to change to being a bit more, um, you know, corporatey and mm. and so on. So. Um, and this reflects some of the, um, I think, pro- possibly some similar reasoning uh, for Vodafone. So if you go to their Twitter handle, which is um, 1NZ Official on Twitter, twitter.com slash 1NZ Official if you're on the on the web, and you will see they have the staggering count of 469 um, followers today. Um their previous Twitter handle had about 70,000 followers. So with Twitter, you do get that choice to, you can rename uh, your handle. Um, yeah, there's probably some restrictions around it. Uh, most platforms do. I, ca- I can't remember any particular ones that Twitter, um, you know, any major ones that Twitter has a, around a rename. Um, but my expectation was that the Vodafone mm. NZ one would become one NZ official or whatever their their final uh, new handle uh, was, um, but no, they they've dumped uh, about seventy thousand followers um, by killing off uh, the old account, and um, yeah, and interestingly here, um, what they're saying is is those that they engage um, you know most with on Twitter tend to be sort of media folks and and um, you know and techie folks, and it's not necessarily um, as much as sort of the broad um, public. So, they, yeah, their feedback was that, look, they're not actually aiming to attract that level of, of following 
um, on Twitter. They don't want to build up um, Twitter as a service uh, channel. Um, so now Facebook and other channels are where that's that's happening um, for them. I might just interject there for a second, yeah. though. In that it's interesting they say they don't want to build it up as a service channel, but their CEO, Jason Paris, is very active on Twitter. That's true. And very, <laughs> like, call me, talk to me, message me. Right, so, I'll so, fix it. so, so it is. So a little with, bit of mixed messaging. Right, right. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's interesting. So I wonder whether there's going to have to be a, a change for, for Jason. I'm, I'm not sure that there, that there could be. So, yeah, they might have to put, uh, put some social media staff to work uh, Jason's account if, uh, if, if it all migrates across to, uh, um, to people atting, yeah. uh, you know, uh, at mentioning um, Jason Paris. So uh, um, not that I'm suggesting that to all our followers. No. Um, actually, what I would say is Geek Zone is a really good place to go and engage um, you know, with our, with the telcos mm-hmm. and, the, and a bunch of their staff usually on uh, on Geek Zone. Um, you are, of course, always welcome. You know, uh, any topic that we've been mentioning on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, you're always welcome to, um, you know, to give the to give um, us a, a, a reply um, after the episode. And I noticed that that happened um, after after last week's episode. Um, somebody having a, a challenge with with a uh, I think an ultra fast broadband uh, install. They were maybe five mm. months five months down the oh, yeah. down the track. Um, and so, yeah, if you do hear anything on an episode and you're wondering, oh, I'd like Paul to know this or to comment, or wonder if he can point me in the right direction, or or anybody else that's been on the show, um, you know, do feel free to reply back um, because for most weeks we were doing you know a video live stream supporting. The recorded, you know, traditional podcast. Uh, then, yeah, the the whole episode's up there, and you can just reply, uh, you know, directly back. So, feel free to do that. Um, but I thought, yeah, that was that was really interesting. And one of the things they highlighted is they got rid of, you know, inactive accounts, bots, you know, what have you that might have been following them. And so, um, you know, starting from scratch, they uh, are. I'm I'm picking likely to have a higher engagement rate. They said their engagement rate was, you know, was um, you know was was not that big comparatively for the seventy thousand followers uh, that they had previously. But uh, yeah, yeah, some in- interesting uh, learnings well, from been, uh, from one NZ there. Yeah, it would have been an interesting conversation. I thought the day when they were working out the handle and the marketing person going, "Oh, we want it nice and simple, really short, easy to find," and and somebody with a bit of nous in the social media area going. Well, no, because it's easy to find, then the bots get in and all that sort of So where's that balance that you find in between there? So, um, yeah, it would, it would have been interesting to be a fly on the wall at that conversation. Yeah. And very hard to get, you know, new good uh, names on a platform like, you know, Twitter in, in, in 2023 when, you know, particularly something short like 1NZ, of course, is, is going to be uh, uh, long gone. I don't know if anyone else has got 2 and CEO, but that's – that's mine. And, and just coming back to your UFB ones, I'm really interested in those stories about long delays in fibre installs. Just I'll just plug that here. Yeah. So if anyone's got any, flick them through because we want to do a bit of work in that space because that is our DNA. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the Technology Users Association, and we're and looking formally at all the this telecommunications formally. users association. So, so that's it's all still part deep of it. in our DNA. Yeah, and and, and yeah. look at, at the at that level, you can't do all the stuff we do. You can't get on the cloud. You can't. 
unless you can get connected. So, you know, it's all, all tied in. So mm, mm, send mm. me those stories, people. Yep, yep, right, that's good. Um, now, ne- next up, a um, few things that caught my attention. Um, now, sometimes with these stories you wonder whether someone's, someone's just trying to get some, uh, some <laughs> free press. Um, but a 3D printing company um, in in the US uh, has has had some, uh, I guess, a, a little bit of attention. Uh, CNN and and elsewhere, uh, company um, 3D printing architecture company they call Icon, um, and really they're uh, they're they're based in uh, they're based in. Uh, um, in the US, uh, their their CEO and co-founder uh, Jason Ballard is uh, uh, is a Texan who's very excited about all uh, all the stuff of of three D printing and um, is trying to uh, trying to share that that they're the they're the company preparing to build on the moon, the moon on the lunar surface. Right. So um, so I, I think. Look, when 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 you when you look at you know the role of three D three D printing, I don't think uh, to me the the moon or Mars are sort of the things that I've been you know have had at the forefront of of my mind um, because we've got much more pressing needs mm. you know here yeah. on Earth with um, you know and 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 you know close to home uh, in New Zealand when it you know when it comes to the the cost of housing and um, you know, poverty gaps and so on. So, um, yeah, that sort of caught me a little bit by surprise. But if if you do actually think around, well, oh, how do you go and build um, on on a moon or on another planet? Then, oh, actually, yeah, uh, you know, you want to do that as autonomously as possible, unless you can you can take something ready built and drop yeah. it onto a surface, which is is probably uh, much easier said than done. So, um, yeah, three D printing. Probably makes uh, makes a huge amount of sense, and and therefore most of the imagery that we've seen of of bases on the moon and other places is probably all completely off um, because it doesn't it doesn't think about that technological approach. Well, I've never been to the moon, but I have met Buzz Aldrin many many years ago when he really? came to New Zealand. That's cool. He was in New Zealand um, for an event, uh, but I didn't ask him. But just coming back to the three D printing, my first thought was, well, wouldn't you have to take everything with you? To build, and then I thought, hang on, there's a lot of dust. There is on the moon that you could use as a, an input. So, so maybe it's not as far fetched as we think. Yeah, well, they they've got uh, Icon have got known for creating um, houses using apparently using a, a high strength concrete that they call lava crete, um, and you know basically it's 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 built up. I guess it's a form of additive. Um, you know, manufacturing where it gets it gets built up into uh, um, into walls and so on, and you know, probably most of us have seen some some videos of you know of some of that sort of three uh, D um, you know printing or you know I don't know what you call it additive manufacturing built um, you know uh, buildings. So it it. It uh, it has seemed to move at a sort of a slower pace than maybe some of us would have uh, would have expected, um, but you know there's still action going on um, in that in that front. So yeah, I think yeah. I think it'll be interesting to uh, to to see um, yeah exactly how that uh, how that plays out 
um, and develops. Well, I suppose what you what you really want, this may not be the way that you end up building on the moon, but what you want is those organisations like NASA and the people who are going to go, that they do look wide and far on unique and, um, you know, far-thinking people on what, what can be done. Mm. So they're not just captured. And I think that's, you know, that's what's happened with SpaceX and Boeing. Um, you know, NASA's gone, well, we can't do everything ourselves, so we're going to talk to others who may be able to do it better. So maybe this is an example where they go, okay, we don't know the answer. Somebody else must have the answer. Mm. Let's go and find it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, of course, Zuru, uh, we know them mostly for their toys, uh, but they're doing a bunch of work in, in this area and, uh, you know, I think have invested a lot of money over, you know, quite a number of number of years uh, now. And so there's, there's a, you know, a bunch of people sort of beavering away on this uh, on this 3D printing um, front and being able to sort of build bespoke things with, in some cases, sort of, you know, off-site manufacturer, sometimes sort of 3D printing. I'm not sure of the exact... Uh, mix of how that will look for for Zuru, but they look to be t- have applying some very innovative thinking to uh, some of the the housing challenges anyway. So that'll be fascinating to watch. Um, now I saw um, on the the autonomous uh, driving front and on the um, uh, what would you call it the um, What's the terminology for the the um, assistive assistive technology to, oh, yes. to, to, to keep us safe? Uh, the the term is kind of dropped dropped out of my uh, <laughs> uh, my head, but um, you know I guess the the modern um, you know safety uh, techniques that uh, um, you know that we that we currently um, that we currently have. Uh, in play, and there was some some interesting uh, data uh, coming coming through uh, when when it came to uh, Tesla's uh, mm. success uh, from a from a safety uh, perspective, and so I thought this was this was interesting. So, uh, and Tesla just just recently shared these figures. So uh, they were talking about the number number of um, you know, accidents that uh, that passenger vehicles would have. Um, in this case, per per million miles uh, driven. This was for last year. And so across the total, um, you know, fleet of vehicles in the US, uh, the average uh, number of, of accidents, um, vehicular accidents, <laughs> as, it, as it calls vehicular, them, yeah. um, was 1.5%. Uh, three across the entire fleet. So, you know, for every million uh, miles, uh, well, I guess if you you wanted to make that a round figure, you'd say for every um, every two million miles driven, there were three three accidents. Um, but yeah, they've got it based on a on a per million of one point five three, um, and then the Tesla figures. So Tesla's figures are a lot lower than that. So for just their standard vehicles without uh, their um, actives uh, without their active safety um, stuff enabled was a little bit under half that. Um, those with um, their FSD beta, which is um, uh, you know the the so-called full, yeah. full self-driving uh, software, with that actually engaged 
um, largely off motorways, which of course motorway driving is, you know, is very is very different um, and probably a lot lower risk mm. than normal yep. driving from an accidents um, or number of accidents percentage um, was under half that. So that went so that was zero point three one um, accidents per million miles. Um, and so when you think of FSD, that's actually when when if that's engaged, that's the vehicle effectively yeah. driving itself, right? Yeah. So um, so they're showing a number there that's that's you know dramatically lower than what is uh, what is normal with humans driving, uh, and then their um, number for uh, Tesla vehicles with autopilot engaged, which tends to mostly be on the motorways, of zero point zero point one eight. Uh, accidents per million miles, which is it's not not quite a, a tenth of the the normal, um, but it's and and I'm sure there is a, there is quite a difference in terms of um, you know distance on on motorways for accidents versus on mm. on normal roads. But um, it's the first time I've seen it split up like this, and it makes me feel encouraged around where we where we're going with. Uh, with autonomy and and the you know the latest technology that's going into vehicles, obviously it's not just uh, Tesla vehicles that are getting this type of uh, type of technology, and and there's a good bit of competition um, going on. Um, but um, of course, Tesla owners get get the advantage of their continuous software updates, which are, are less common uh, amongst amongst mm. other brands. And I think it'd be interesting to see those numbers for some of those other brands. I remember recall. Oh, good four or five years ago um, on a phone call with somebody who was in their Volvo <clears throat> going through the city on the motorway being able to allow the vehicle to drive itself through. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, yeah. things have come on since then. So, um, But what it does do is it the numbers are, are really good because what, the, what it does is change the conversation because most of the conversation often is, oh, there was a Tesla crash. You know, so, oh, it must be bad because it's... It was driving itself. Well, actually, yes, but there's lots of crashes that happen with people driving vehicles. We don't hear all of those crashes. I mean, certainly in New Zealand, you hear about the ones where somebody dies because that's, you know, we're small enough for that. So, yeah, I think this is encouraging to see these sorts of numbers come through. And, of course, Tesla's, you know, they're all connected, so they're recording this stuff as well. So it bodes well for us thinking about, yes, there is benefit in these types of technologies being in our vehicles, it's going to save lives. Mm. And not not that I've been asked to contribute anything at a government level on this on this topic, but we've had this recent uh, thing over the the last year or so on this sort of road to toll to get the road toll down to, to zero. Mm. It's this type of technology, I think, that that gets us there, probably more than any any one other thing. Mm. Um, but it is a combination of things, and I think you know we shouldn't forget that the road toll, you know, if you average it out over over 50 years, has has kept uh, heading down, and uh, you know technology will play a very very big uh, part in that uh, in that picture. But you know we've still got to we've still got to be smart uh, around how we use the use our vehicles and so on, and and we still do some uh, some dumb dumb stuff on our on our roads in New Zealand from time to time. Uh, and we still have some, probably some some challenges with some of our roads, shall we say? Yeah. All right. A um, couple of other topics um, that we wanted to cover off, um, and we'll get to um, parrots uh, making video calls uh, in a moment. But 
Samsung's earnings have uh, plunged in a in a in a massive massive way. Um, you know their their lowest uh, quarterly earnings just you know were just announced um, uh, late last late late last week. Uh, the lowest in, in 14 years, I think, since 2000 and, uh, 2009. So there, there's some interesting indicators there. Mm. You know, some of it is is very much specific to uh, to Samsung and you know trends around uh, memory of which they sell a lot of, um, and and displays. Um, other other aspects there, you know, I think are a, are a signal of. You know, probably where the economy's at, and uh, um, you know, caution that different companies who buy off uh, Samsung are making, um, and that sort of you know business to business end. But uh, but also there's there's aspects there on the consumer front, and something we didn't talk about, um, maybe it was last week, is is a huge drop off in um, in sales of PCs. Mm. You know, we saw that huge increase during uh, during COVID or huge demand. And mixed with supply chain issues for you know for laptops, uh, especially, um, but some really big drop offs in in demand for uh, you know for PCs. Of you know talking general personal computers, um, you know, Apple um, Mac sales were uh, you know were were down in a in a very significant way. Um, I think we heard um, yeah that was probably a, a week or. A week or, or or a few back, um, Apple Mac uh, shipments plummeting. Um, it was about 40 percent. Uh, wow. um, so yeah, they had um, in the first quarter of uh, of twenty twenty two, they had sold six point nine million mm. um, Macs, and that went down to four point one million in the first quarter of twenty twenty three. Yeah, well, look. If I'm uh, as I mentioned earlier, next week we're releasing our digital priorities report. If I go back a year and look at what CIOs were talking about at the beginning of 2022, it surprised me the number of them that talked about supply chain issues, and that these are very senior people who are worried about can they get enough PCs and laptops and things. Mm. So when that issue rises to the top, you sort of go, well, that's obviously something quite important. That didn't come through this year. Not a, not one of them no. talked about that. So either the problem's been fixed, which I'm not sure it has been, but also I think that you're right. The the economy's down. Um, it is a different working environment now than it was. Um, I think the memory chip thing. I think you know you probably found 18 months ago when there was a shortage, people were stockpiling them. They were buying them and keeping them because they didn't know. They're going to be able to get hold of them, so now they're using them in a in a, a depressed market. So you can see why someone like Samsung suddenly finds that the demand has dropped off. So um, I, I presume they'll come back, but you know it, it's quite a fascinating story, isn't it? That yeah, we've gone from tight to to being plenty, and and that you know these are some of the challenges of, of you know, for, for business and and they but they do have economic sort of flow-ons. Mm. Um, there was um, you know one of the articles I read there was Forbes um, mentioned that that HP did better than um, and than the other major um, PC companies. Their sales only dropped twenty four point two percent. So my goodness, like only that's only. Uh, it's 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 mind blowing and um, you know it's enough that. 
I mean, in, in a lot of in a lot of areas, you know, an organisation or a business's uh, sales drop at that sort of level, um, you know, that 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 business is gone. Yeah. Um, but that's that's you know happened across the board on that front. So, you know, it's it's certainly not just uh, not just you know Samsung that have been impacted, um, but uh, but you know their their figures are um, yeah are fairly fairly shocking. Mm. Um, I'm sure for uh, for those who hold uh, Samsung um, stock, but as we've seen before, things will will no doubt um, um, move in, in other directions given given a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, now we must talk about these uh, the, these these oh, parrots. These parrots. Um, actually, I think it was uh, Brett Roberts who I saw uh, sharing about this, and uh, yeah, just it just made me chuckle, and I thought, look, this is. Uh, this is fun. We, we've got to talk about it. So um, apparently, um, scientists have have uh, taught pet parrots to uh, to video call each other, and um, look, the parrots uh, the parrots love it. And I, this is one of those one of those things where you know so often you know a, a family or an individual you know will have a parrot, maybe you know maybe maybe on it on its own, uh, maybe with other other parrots, but yeah, actually, they're very they're very social creatures. So, um, yeah, it turns out that they have a they have a um, yeah a bit of a wild uh, a wild time when they get a chance to be able to uh, video call each other. I think the thing that got me wasn't just that it's not a human connecting the two parrots together, but they've actually learnt to initiate the video chats themselves. So you know the device is there; they can actually make a call. I presume it's only to one other, but I haven't really looked at it. But they can initiate the call and have the chat. So um, that's even a you know, further step ahead. Um, obviously, that means that uh, it must be easy to initiate a video chat these days, right? So, um, and you know, that's that's again something that's occurred in the last couple of years. Yeah, Zoom, they would have, I'm sure they've, they've probably adjusted things. it to make it, you know, oh, yeah, to sure. make it, um, you know, do, doable by uh, by a parrot, or uh, or, has, or has it got voice recognition Alexa built in? <laughs> um, <laughs> Who knows what's uh, what's next? Bali wants but, a video call. Yeah, <laughs> but there, there you go. If you've got a if you've got a parrot, and you know somebody else with a parrot. Um, maybe you can try uh, try this out for us, and um, you know, uh, let let me know whether uh, whether the parrots enjoy having um, having a bit of a bit of social time. Do you have to worry about the amount of screen time your parrots have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it depends whether they've got homework to do oh, or yeah, not. That's true. Right? Uh, <laughs> it always impacts these things in my home. Um, right. So, um, just thinking with the other things to delve into. Um, there's probably not much else here that we can delve into without uh, without taking up a, a you know a bit too much time. I think we've covered the the big things. So, yeah. Thank you, Craig. Very good to very good to catch up. Um, for folks that are wanting to um, you know, get plugged into uh, some of the events and and um, yeah, the content that's coming out of Two Ants, where do they go? Yeah, they go to our website, so twoands.org.nz. Um, if you're interested in our Future Leaders program, it's the 18 to 35, just flint.nz. Um, the, I am on Twitter, you're right. Um, not not great on Twitter, but Facebook, Two Ants CEO, and, you know, Two Ants and on LinkedIn is probably the best place actually. I think we're using LinkedIn as being the place to to really talk about what we're up to. 
very busy couple of months coming up, talking through cloud, talking through AI, talking through mobile, 5G, all those sorts of things that are coming. Yep. Um, you know, so if, you, if you're interested, there's lots going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Well, and thank you to our show partners, uh, Gorilla Technology, HP, Spark, Two Degrees, and uh, 1NZ. Now, if you're uh, watching our video, then, hey, go and go and get a podcast app and, and subscribe because you'll probably be able to catch up with uh, with more episodes that way. Uh, we can't always watch watch the videos uh, live, so, you know, it's great whether it's a Spotify or Apple Podcasts or or whatever app there. Um, if you're listening to the to the audio, which tends to be our you know um, bigger part of our audience, um, it is worth you know being able to tap into the live uh, videos. You know if you're in a position to to do so, usually on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, but if you look us up on um, on YouTube, um, then you can uh, you can join our our followers on uh, on YouTube follow, hit the bell, all that sort of stuff, so you get the, the alert because, it, you know, it's probably live uh, that that most people would uh, would, would listen. Um, and you can do a similar thing uh, on on Twitter. Um, again, with you know, with Twitter, I tend to find, you know, hit the bell when you're following someone if you want to get those alerts. Um, and and, um, and that's under NZ Tech Podcast uh, for... LinkedIn, uh, which is, is probably one of the most active, um, you know, places where I am, sort of social mm. media these days. Um, again, if you follow me uh, or connect, if you want to connect with me, you're, you're welcome. Just put a note in there uh, that, that, you know, you're an NZ Tech Podcast listener. Um, and again, there's, I think you can you can hit the bell on uh, on, on LinkedIn um, to, to get those uh, priority notifications. Um, I think you can anyway. I'm trying to think. We use these platforms, um, you know, so much. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I can't remember exactly how you do that on um, on an individual. But uh, I'm yep, just having a look now. There's there's a bell uh, on the top of a profile when you visit someone. So that's us for this week. Thank you again for joining us, Craig. And thank you. Thanks everybody for listening in. And we'll catch you again uh, next week. And I'm off later this week to get a bit of an update of what's happening in the in the South Island in Christchurch. Uh, from a tech and an innovation uh, perspective down there where they're doing some interesting things. So I'll, I'll look forward to uh, sharing a little bit of that possibly uh, on, on the next episode. So, yeah, I look forward to it. All right, thanks. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.